Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Josie Kerrigan. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that God has called you to do. Um, actually, before we get into the message, I just want to address what happened this week with Roe v. Wade. And uh, just take another minute. I know we prayed and we thanked God, but it is a monumental moment in our history. And I just want to give thanks to God because that is a big, big deal. I have friends. Yeah, come on. Come on. Let's celebrate. It should be celebrated. I have, I have friends who have been working so hard and praying like 24-7, got a house of prayer up there in Washington, D.C., and organized the March for Life and all this stuff. And to be honest, I remember talking to one of them about five years ago, and I was like supportive and all, and like, yeah, I'm so glad you're doing that. But in my heart of hearts, I was like, I don't know that I have faith that it's going to get overturned. You know, like, of course, we need to pray for that. But it happened. Like, it's very surreal. And I know it's just one step in um, that each state now has to make their own decision when it comes to the right to life. And I just want to say this at the offset because it's a very controversial issue. And this is not that we need to be super Republican or super liberal. We need to be super kingdom. And when it comes to being pro-women, we are pro-women. But the Bible teaches us that a woman becomes a woman in the womb not when she's born. And so we need to protect the life of every woman, even the pre-born. And in this hour, when a lot of people are angry and confused and don't understand why we're celebrating, I want us to have love and grace and understanding. There's no sense in getting into an argument with anybody. Let's just celebrate what God is doing and understand that for many women, this is going to really cause upheaval in their lives. Like just picture that you're a 13-year-old that is pregnant by no desire of your own. And you could go out and have an abortion and nobody ever knew it happened. But what if you didn't have that choice? And for me, I believe that there are two lives in this equation, both the life of the girl and the life of the baby in her womb. And I believe that the enemy would love to destroy both lives. But for those that don't understand, this is really an issue where they need grace and love and understanding. And I know we have women in this room who've had abortions, and there's no shame around that. But here's what I will tell you. The enemy hates life. And even in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis, right at the fall of man, God said there'll be enmity between you, the enemy, the serpent, and the woman and her seed. The devil hates women, and he hates that we can bring forth life. And when there's life in a womb, we see over and over again in the Bible how, you know, when Moses was going to be the savior that was going to bring the people out of Egypt, Pharaoh issued a decree to kill all the babies. When Jesus was born, Herod issued a decree to kill the babies. There's something that's just hatred against life and the offspring. And so I want us to take a moment and pray in the middle of celebrating this 
truly monumental victory. I want us to pray for the states, and I also want us to pray for those that are right now angry and hurt and confused, that the love of God would flood in to every woman's heart, that this whole situation would not turn women in our nation away from salvation. Can we do that? Because the enemy would like nothing more than, okay, now we have saved the babies, but a whole generation of women in our nation turned their hearts against God because of this issue. So would you just bow your heads in prayer? Father God, I thank you. Truly, Jesus, 60 million babies have been aborted since Roe v. Wade. And I just thank you that in your mercy, in spite of our sin as a nation, you've heard from heaven. And this has been overturned. God, so I ask that you would forgive our sin. And Father, I pray that you would give a heart of compassion to the church, that you would turn our hearts toward those that are hurting, to those that are in need, that you would draw our hearts towards abortion and fostering and helping moms with unwed, un, unwanted pregnancies, God. I pray that you would give us opportunities to be your hands and feet in this hour and show love to women in our community and in our world, God. And Father, I pray that the enemy would not use this situation, this victory for your kingdom, this amazing victory for life to turn the hearts of women in our nation away from you, but that you would open up the doors of love, of the love of God, that the embrace of the church would cause them to turn, that it's kindness that leads to repentance, God, that our kindness and our love and our actions of mercy and compassion would draw people into the family of God. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Okay, now I'm going to get into the message. It was not about that, but I just felt like it's such an important issue to address. So as I was preparing to speak today, I got a picture from God. And I saw our sanctuary. And it was full of chairs. And it had people sitting in it. They were just kind of faceless. Like right now I can see who you are. But in the picture, I couldn't see who it was that was sitting there. And then I found myself sitting in a seat, and God asked me, why are you here? And then it was like he was asking over the whole sanctuary, and again, I could see it from above, and God was saying, hey, why are you here to the people that were sitting in the seats? And when we look in Scripture, and when Jesus was walking here on earth, people came to him for different reasons. Some of them came for healing, some of them came because they wanted to follow and be taught. They thought of him as a rabbi. There were children that came to him. There was a, um, a man that came that said, hey, can you tell my brother to divide our inheritance evenly between us? He wanted personal gain. There were others that had questions. There were many reasons why people came to Jesus. Why are you here? Why are you sitting in that seat today? You know, you can attend an event and come for many different reasons. I was talking to a friend, um, and they were in Chicago this past week. Her husband wanted to go to a Cubs game for his Father's Day gift. So they were at this Cubs game, and as I was thinking about that, you know, there are many reasons why people would be there. They came as spectators, and they were there watching. They had bought their tickets, and they were so excited about the game. And then you have vendors, they're there to sell food. You have sponsors, they're there to promote their business. And then you have the players, they have worked really hard and they are there to win the game. Then you have the owners, they have a lot at stake with this game and they've worked hard and they have financial investments. 
everybody's there for a different reason and it affects their attitude, it affects their posture, it affects what they want out of this day. Why you're here matters. And so today, the title of my sermon is, Why Are You Here? Why are we here as a church? Why do you think people all around DFW right now are sitting in a seat at church? I think it's an important question that we need to just kind of take a look inside of our hearts and ask ourselves, why are we here today? Because the reason why we're here affects our attitude, it affects our posture, it affects what we get out of the game, if you will, when we're, when we're attending a game, but it also gets what is our outcome of coming to church? Our why matters. So we hear from obligation or friendship or to check a box or is it because we're needing healing? Like when people came to Jesus, when he was here, we're here for freedom from hurt or maybe we hear out of a cultural obligation. It's almost like, you know, virtue signaling in Texas to be like, I'm a churchgoer. Why are we here? So I want us to stop today and just take a look inward and allow the Holy Spirit to ask us that question in case there is something that we need to adjust or if we just need to realize why it is we're here so we can act accordingly. I've heard this said before. I remember my dad telling me this when I was little, when he was preaching, and I thought, it doesn't really make sense, but now that I'm older, it does. In the beginning, the church, right after Jesus ascended to heaven and they were seeing salvations and they were meeting. It was a gathering of believers that were passionate about Jesus. They would gather in homes and in the temple. So it was just a gathering of believers in Jesus. In Greece, when Christianity went there, it became a philosophy. In Rome, Christianity became an institution, institutionalized, nationalized religion. We now have a Christian state. In Europe, it became culture. It was just cultural to be a Christian. And for me, the saddest part is we often say when Christianity came to America, it became an enterprise. It became a business. We have merch we sell. We have songs that are, you know, make money. We have worship bands. We have, I don't know if God looks down and he's like, that's exactly what I meant for my church to be. I don't know. I don't think there's anything wrong with a cool uncommon hoodie because I have one and I love it. But we have to check, why are we at church? Is it because we long for community and friendship? That's great. Of course we want you to make good Christian friends. You groups are an essential part of who we are here at Uncommon Church. You need to belong to a group because God doesn't place us alone. But I think the main reason has to be the main reason. And when Jesus was asked, what is the most important thing? In Matthew 22, verse 36, people came to him and said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, it's this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second one is like it, love your neighbor. I think our main reason has to go back to the main thing, which is love. Do we come to church? Do we sit in the seat because we love Jesus? Or is it because Ira's going to call us if we didn't check in on the app? <laughs> 
just allow the Holy Spirit to ask you today because do you love him? And I also think, of course, we wouldn't be here if we didn't love God. I mean, maybe we have some people in here that don't. You just came because you were invited. Welcome. You're in the right place. Everybody that came to Jesus, for whatever reason, he met their need. There's no wrong reason. We are glad that you're in church. But for uncommon church, we need to look and see that the main thing is the main thing, that even our remodel, this building is not the main thing. Even our new uncommon men's hats that are so cool, they're not the main thing. They're just like, you know, the table decor. But the meal, the meat, the main thing is that we love Jesus, that we're a gathering of believers that love Jesus. Amen, amen. Even the gifts of the Spirit. We are a Spirit-filled church, and I love to see God do the miraculous and healings and the gifts of tongues and interpretation and tongues and prophecy, prophetic words. Like the Bible says that we should eagerly want those gifts. But if we look in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, no, 13, 2, let's start there. If I have the gifts of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. And I always thought of that as like if I don't love people, like if I'm prophetic but I'm rude, you know, mean to people. And I think there's layers to this, and obviously it matters that we love people, but I think it's also if you don't love God, if you're not in love with Jesus and it's an overflow of your relationship with him, at the end of the day, it's just works. That when you get to heaven, it's like, you did all these things in my name, but depart from me, I never knew you. It matters that we love Jesus. And love is not a feeling. For those who have been married for more than 20 years, love is a choice. There are days when you don't feel all lovey-dovey, but it's a choice. We don't love God because we feel fuzzy in worship, like, ooh, I got little goosebumps and it was so intensely anointed. We feel that because we love God. We can't put the cart before the horse. So when it comes to loving God, being our motive for what we do, I think that's what gives us influence as well. You know, we talk about how the church is a city on a hill, that we have a light of the world, that we are the salt of the earth, all these things. It gives us influence. And remember in Revelation, when Jesus talks about the first love, if you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard this told. And I remember sitting in kids' church even, and they were like, if you don't have your first love and you're not as passionate as you were when you were at the beginning, when you got born again, you know, he's going to spew you out of his mouth and it's just all over for you. And it's just kind of scary, you know? It's like, do I love him as much now as I did last year? I don't know. What if I don't? And so that's not my heart today at all to scare you and condemn you like you don't love him as much. Love is a choice. It's not a feeling. But we do have to check our reasons. Why are we here? Because God was asking us that question. He's asking you today. And so I want to read from Revelation where it says in Revelation 2, verse 2, it says, I know your deeds. God knows our deeds on Common Church. Your hard work, your perseverance. Hey, when you're on Dream Team and you can't find your stuff on a Sunday morning and you persevered, he sees it. I know you can't tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles that are not and found them false. You have persevered. You've endured hardship for my name, and you have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you, that you have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and go back to the things you did first. And if you don't repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. 
I want to just look at that last line a little bit. Remove your lampstand from its place. Remember how we're a city on a hill. I don't know that remove your lampstand from its place means like you're going to hell. It just means our light will no longer be in a place of influence. If it's not out of love for God, we lose our influence. The salt loses its saltiness and the light gets under a bushel. I love how the Passion Translation says it. It says, think about how far you've fallen and repent and do the works of love you did at first. Otherwise, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place of influence. God has given us a place of influence. It's part of our advance this year, is to advance in our influence. God wants us to have influence in our city. He wants the church at large to have influence in our nation. And if we forsake our first love, he's not going to give us the authority and influence that he intends for us to have. Because we have to know why we're here. We're here to love God first. To love God and to love people, that is the most important thing. And it's like marriage. It's not a feeling, but we are to be the bride of Christ. It's a love relationship. And it's easy to get distracted. I was thinking about that. I'm like, God, what if I'm not here for that first love? Why, you know, what happens that we get away from that? I don't think that anybody intends to get away from your first love. Like, let's say you're taking your vows. We were talking about a marriage relationship, right? You're not like okay, I hope that 10 years from now, I'm not going to feel like in love with you at all, and this is going to all go horrible, and I'm just going to be indifferent, and it's like we're roommates. Nobody takes that kind of vows. When we come to Jesus, we're not like, I'm going to surrender my life to you. I'm going to make you Lord. I'm going to be publicly baptized. I'm going to fill with the power of the Holy Spirit, and five years from now, I don't want to feel like I'm wanting to go to church at all, and like Jesus is just something I have in my back pocket. Nobody intends for that to happen. But here's what dawned on me, is God calls us sheep. And sheep are easily distracted. Remember Jesus told the story of things that were lost. It was a lost coin. It was a lost sheep. And it was um, the prodigal son, which Brad talked about last week. And there's the story of the lost sheep. I don't think the sheep meant to get lost. He wasn't like, oh, here I am in the flock. I'm just going to go get lost now so I don't know where I'm at. I think he was probably just like chewing grass and there was some greener grass here and oh look there's another tuft of grass over here and I'm hopping along and all of a sudden you're away from the rest of the pack. Or maybe you were so focused on your little piece of grass, the shepherd is calling over here, the rest of the flock wanders and you're like still over here eating your grass. I don't think the sheep was like, I don't like my shepherd, I'm just going to walk away. And have you noticed it wasn't the lost goat? I think we often use this illustration when it comes to sinners coming to salvation, but it was a sheep. It was one of you and me. We were a part of the herd. We were a sheep, and all of a sudden we're lost. And the same grace that Jesus came and chased us down in the first place when we were a goat, the shepherd will leave the 99 that are here with their first love, and he's like, hey, so-and-so, I haven't seen them in church in a minute. Their heart has grown cold. I'm going to run after them. I'm going to chase after that sheep. It belongs to me. And wants to awaken that first love because we got distracted. I don't know why anybody could possibly imagine that in 2020 we could get distracted. 
I mean, seriously, between our cell phones and our computers and the news and politics and pandemics and like all the things that are going on, I think it's like a full-time job to make sure that the main thing is the main thing. If we're going to fan into flame the love of God in our hearts and not get distracted by the things that are continually bombarding us through this little thing that we hold in our hand, it's going to pay, we're going to have to pay close attention to our shepherd, close attention to our shepherd. We can't be distracted like that sheep that takes bites of grass. And I I just want to read in um, Matthew 18, that last verse, when Jesus has found the sheep, it says, if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. As somebody who was born and raised in church, and I know we have some of you in here, I always felt like Jesus was happier for the sinner that returned than over me. It's kind of like that older brother syndrome. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've been here the whole time. Can we have a party for me? (laughs) And when I was reading this and Jesus was like, I rejoice over you. And just like with the older brother, you can party with me anytime you want. Everything I have is yours. Yes, we celebrate because it is our biggest win. When somebody goes from life to death and screws in a light bulb, that is the biggest thing. And of course, we don't want to wander. But if we do... God has the same grace for you, and he has the same joy over you and me when we return to our first love. There's no condemnation in Christ, but there is a double check that I think God wants to ask us, why are you here? Why are you here? There's a quote by William Booth. Does anybody know William Booth? He was the founder of the Salvation Army, which is a massive um, denomination and work of God all around the world. And this was in the 1800s that he said this. He said, the chief danger that confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and preaching heaven without hell. We have to keep the main thing the main thing or we'll get distracted. I was reminded of Peter. Remember Peter? He's always been my favorite because he was a little bit impulsive. Married to somebody who's a lot like Peter. He's the greatest disciple. I think he's amazing. But, you know, remember Peter. Jesus gave him a new name. He was called Simon He said, Simon Peter, you know, man has not revealed this to you. Or Simon, son of Jonah, man has not revealed this to you. And now you're going to be called Peter. And then he's called Peter. Jesus never calls him Simon again. And then he betrays Jesus on the very day that Jesus needs him most. People ask him, hey, aren't you with Jesus? And he's like, Jesus is about to die on a cross and be crucified and murdered. No, I'm not with Jesus. Never heard of him denies Jesus three times over. What happens when Jesus sees him again? Because Peter was sorry. The Bible tells us that he wept bitterly. And then he went back to fishing because he's like, well, I've betrayed Jesus and he's dead. And so the one thing I know how to do is to go fishing. And I think sometimes when we've lost our first love and we feel a little bit shamed about it. We just go back to life as normal, like life before Jesus or normal Christianity or whatever we want to call it. We might still have our butt in a seat, 
but our why is different. We're just here so people don't know that our heart has gotten cold. We're just here so that people won't know that we're not in love with Jesus anymore. We're just here so that people won't know that we backslid because we're still here in church. So our face is here, but God knows. So when Jesus came and he saw Peter again, after that whole thing, that's the second time he calls him Simon. And in the same way that he gave him his calling to begin with, he called him back and established him to be one of the fathers of the early church. And what did he ask him? He said, Simon Peter, I mean, Simon, son of Jonah, he didn't call him Peter. He said, Simon, son of Jonah, he knew exactly what he had done. He saw where he was at and he said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter said, yes, you know I do. And he became Peter again. So first of all, I want you to ask yourself, why are you here? And secondly, if the reason is not because you're desperately in love with Jesus, then I want this to be that moment for you where Jesus comes after you because you're sheep and you got distracted or you're Peter and you denied him and he's gonna call you back to your first love. We have to get this right because when God asked me that question, I don't want to do church for the sake of doing church or like so Brad and I can have a job or something. Like why are we doing this? It's because of Jesus and because we love him. And if we ever do it for any other reason, it's not worth doing. There's an intimacy and a love for God that surpasses everything else in our life that we have to come back to. It's a simple, simple gospel. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then love people. We are called to be uncommon. We're different than the world. Our priorities are not the same as this world. We have an uncommon love for God and for people. And the reason why you're here, when God's asking, why are you in church? Why are you sitting in this chair? Your response will determine your actions. It determines your posture. Like if you're here to learn, take notes during the message when Brad's preaching. If you're here because you love God, worship with all your might during our, our worship service. If you love people, be here early and greet. And, you know, it affects what we do when we have our why clear. And I want to tell you, worshiping passionately and worshiping with all our heart looks different for everybody. I'm not saying you have to be up here spinning around or kneeling down. Maybe for you, passionate worship is standing with your eyes closed and just picturing Jesus. But the word of God does call us all to sing our praise to him. And there's a moment during every single worship service, during every single sermon where we have to choose whether we feel like it or not to say, 
my soul will bless the Lord. I will choose to say that He is good. No matter where we're at, if we're in the mountaintop or the valley, if our why is right, if we're here because we love Jesus, it doesn't matter. He is worthy and we love Him. He's the lover of our soul. Our whole world is centered around Him. You know the story about Mary and Martha in the Bible? Martha is the one that invited Jesus to the house. She's the one who said, hey, Jesus, come over for dinner. But then she was busy in the kitchen and Mary sat and enjoyed and worshiped and learned at the feet of Jesus. And Mary got upset. And Jesus was like, you're the one who invited me here in the first place. Why are you upset? I want you to come sit by me too. Sometimes we get so busy doing church that we almost get upset at those that are just sitting and enjoying and worship. Hey, God is not saying that Martha, we need Martha's. What Martha was doing wasn't bad. She's the one who loved Jesus enough to invite. But we have to take a merry moment. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. When we love him, we're in his presence. Can I tell you what comes from joy? Strength. The Bible says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And there's a proverb that says, you know, if you falter in times of trouble, how low is your strength? Really what it's saying is, if you falter in times of trouble, how little is your joy? How small is your joy? Do you know where joy is found? In the presence of Jesus. If we're always a Martha and never a Mary, our strength will just run out. We have to come back to our first love. And I want us to be a house that never forgets why. And when Jesus comes and where God comes and he looks out over our congregation, he says, why are you here? We can answer him right away. We're here because we love you. We're here because we love you. We love you, Jesus. We're not here because we got great friends that are sitting to our left and right. We're here because we love you. We're not afraid to come down at the altar and worship like David did because we love you. We're not afraid to be our own like self in the seat and not worship like that because we're not here to put on a show for man. We're here because we love you. We're not just here to give prophetic words and all this stuff, although that's wonderful and we want to pursue that, but be here because we love God. So this morning, I want you to answer that question. And if your why needs an adjustment, then we're going to make sure that we are a house that knows why we're here. Then we'll have strength to do what God's called us to do. This whole message is about the first part of our vision, which is knowing God. It's not head knowledge, it's intimacy with Jesus. The goal is not a visitation from God, but a habitation. In a church that He built, not a church that we built. This is His church. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. If you came in here and your why was that you needed a miracle, Jesus wants to meet your need. If it's that you're needing freedom, he wants to meet your need. If it's that you're crying out for justice or forgiveness of sins, he is here to meet your need. Church family, for whatever reason we come to God, he is here to answer our cry. He never turned anybody away. I love that about Jesus. And for those of us that have walked with him for a long time, let's make sure that we can posture our hearts to come back to our first love so that he doesn't remove our influence, our lampstand from its place of influence, personally in your life, but also as a church corporately. Before
we go into a time of worship because I do want us to really, really, truly have a moment where we worship God and tell Him we love Him. But before we do that, I want you to just close your eyes and bow your head. And I want to talk to anybody in this room today that you're not a sheep, you don't belong to God's family, you don't love Jesus, but you found yourself here today for a different reason. Maybe somebody invited you, maybe it's just a cultural thing. Maybe you've been here several times, but you never raised your hand to say yes and give your heart to Jesus. Right now in this moment, the Good Shepherd is here and he wants to come after anybody that wants to surrender their life to him. He wants to come find you. He wants to bring meaning to your life. He created you for a purpose. Before you were even born, he knew you. He brings peace and joy and life and freedom. That is his gift to you when you give your life to him. So if there's anybody in this room that wants to say yes to Jesus for the first time, or maybe like that sheep, you got distracted and wandered off, and this morning you need to say yes again. First time in a long time. If that's you, I wanna pray with you. I'm not gonna embarrass you in any way, but I believe God is here because he has an appointment with you. And if you're watching online, same thing. Wherever you're watching this morning, Jesus sees you and he wants you. So if that's you this morning, would you just raise up your hand so I know who I'm praying with this morning? I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. For the sake of the one, we're just gonna pray right now together. Say, Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. Be my Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Give me a new life. I am yours. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. That's, that's all you have to do. The Bible says if we confess him as Lord and confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us and we be born again. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.